0: you're tuned to positively terrible i'm producer dan and each week my buddy scott and i discuss surviving and thriving after trauma it's a journey that started when scott his wife's fiance and her boyfriend all walked into a bar this week's decent human being is george he's got a fucked up story about a devastating injury settle in my terrible listeners today's episode is going to be positively terrible Hey, Scott.
1: Hey, Dan. What's going on, man? How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good. How are you tonight? Ah, You know, I've got a little bit of a
1: headache, but... I feel like my beard is almost on point. Like maybe it needs to be trimmed a little bit, but uh, I think it's, it's looking pretty good lengthwise and everything. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm staring into the camera and I can't help but judge. Uh, this my, my, angle, it's
0: good. It's yeah. Good. Okay.
1: All right. Well, I hope to have this angle uh, anytime I speak to someone. But h- how are you doing? How's Lando? I haven't asked you about the dog recently.
0: Uh, Lando's doing very well. He went to doggy daycare today. Um, they love him at doggy daycare. They say he's he the, other- the best hugs of all the dogs there. <laughs> I was going to say, do the other
1: dogs love him as well? I guess the oh, they yeah, don't. Oh, yeah, man. He
0: runs them ragged. If, if, they, if the other dogs
1: don't, they tell you not to bring them back, though, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, you got to pay I'll- for private time.
1: Uh, oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. All right. Well, uh, I I haven't met him in person yet, so I'm hoping too soon. I know that mile and a half that we live apart from each other is a large bridge g- bridge to gap. But I'll head over one of these days and, and meet him in person. But right now we have George here. George, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great, Scott. How are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing pretty well. And what brings you to the show today, George?
2: Well, I had this devastating injury in a job that uh, 22 plus years in it that I love very much, and it just kind of happened all of a sudden, just changed my life forever. Which is why I'm here wow. today. Oh, wow! There,
1: there, there's a there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, we've talked on the show about injuries and we've talked about job loss, career loss, um, but put those two together, and that that's life changing. So I'm sorry you went through that. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about this? Injury, George, was it something that happened on the job?
2: Yeah, I I was in warehouse distribution logistics for 20 plus years and uh, I had a slip and fall. I actually tripped over a pallet of product and um, it spun me around and I fell with the product in hand that I was carrying. And it it dislocated uh, one of my lower discs, one of my mid spine discs and one of my neck. And it disabled me for about three and a half years, and two of, two and a half years of that, I was heavily medicated, I was depressed, I had suicidal thoughts because of the medication, and I mean, that was pretty fucked up, to be honest with you You guys, you know, I mean, I hadn't gone through something like that in my life, so it was really new to me, and one day I decided just to kind of snap out of it, and I pulled myself out of the medication completely,
1: you know. Wow, that's that's incredible. I'm 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 glad you got there, but we're not at that part just yet. <laughs> I want to talk a, a little bit about this. So you said you'd been at the job for, uh, did you say twenty two years?
2: Yeah, I was in that industry for about twenty plus years, oh, twenty two. Okay, years. right, the industry, the industry.
1: So, wait, how how young were you when you started? Uh,
2: I was uh, about nineteen years old. Oh wow! How would you get into it? Uh, uh, one of my cousins worked uh, at, at a company, and uh, he told me about it, and I was working part-time, and I was like, look, mate, I'm looking for something. Either I'm going to have two jobs or I, I need a full-time job, and his job was he was working like you know, uh, 40 hours plus and sometimes Saturday and Sunday. I was like, you know what? I'm 19. I'm hungry for some money. I want to I work there. There you go. And, and, and I was there for 20 plus years in that same industry, yeah.
1: All right. Well, I, I'm going to sit here and assume that it was hourly. If you're if you're happy about those weekends and extra hours,
2: oh yeah. First, I was <laughs> hourly for probably about five to seven years of, of that career. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Working in a lot of overtime, money, Definitely for sure. Yeah, and and
1: working in a warehouse, I I know that it can be it can be dangerous. I, I mean, I'm I'm telling you, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but Dan and I have worked on. Uh, at a company that was a safety company, and you know manufacturing warehousing that that 's kind of where the the safety products that we were working with are really really important, so I am going to take the the conversation that way a little bit when you were injured or just in your career in general was safety in your industry is
2: it something that was really
1: focused on?
2: Well, I mean, there there was always safety concerns in my industry because people, like you said, people were always getting hurt. You know, their backs would get messed up, their knees, uh, their wrists were getting messed up. And so we would always go through training and we would have people from the outside come in and help us figure out these injuries and how to prevent them. Mm-hmm. Getting back braces, maybe wrist things to tighten the wrists and uh, train us how to bend go down with, bend our knees instead of the waist or whatnot. So we had those uh, trainings, but, but just sometimes you forget the training yeah. and you, you do things and somebody might place something where they're not supposed to, which was exactly what happened to me. Somebody put somebody, something where it wasn't supposed to be at. I didn't see it because when I looked over, it, it wasn't there. When I went to travel over there, that's when it caught me off guard. Okay. And I say this sometimes
1: in personal conversations like, what is a moment, right? We've got millions of moments that we experience in our our life. I I don't know how you count that into a day, but you can be very careful and very attentive for 99.9999% of the time. But all it takes is that just moment. And that palette was in a place that it shouldn't be. Yeah. Is that what you said? Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's a moment where somebody might have done something. And then, do you feel like you were paying attention when that
2: happened? Absolutely. It, okay. It, okay. It could have it could have been prevented because, first of all, I placed the palette there, but I placed something on the palette on a corner so I can see that that was there. Okay. So I knew there was something there, and then we there was we were doing some cleanup at the end of a shift, and when I look in that direction, my one of the our, the crew somebody in the team was picking the pellets up. Okay. And he said that he had cleaned up the area, which was the area where I put that pallet with that stuff there in, in the corner, so I can see it. And when I looked up, I didn't see anything. It was com- everything was completely clear. So then I grabbed the the, the a box that I was carrying a fifty pound box. And as soon as I started walking, I turned a corner. It clipped my my left my right foot, and when it clipped my right foot, my first thing was like, "Nothing's supposed to be there,
0: <laughs>
2: right?" And, Except and your I, foot, <laughs> and, and I and I couldn't I couldn't see anything. So uh-huh. I, I I was trying to maneuver with the weight, and I fell. And when I looked back, I saw the pellets. I was like, wait a minute, that wasn't supposed to be there.
0: Yeah,
2: because I was told that everything was cleared up because I put something there in the corner so I can see it. Cause it was a blind spot. I had okay. taken care of that safety issue okay. for me. Okay. So it's like I was lied to and I, I felt uh, very disappointed by being lied to. Yeah. And in, did you harbor any
1: resentment towards the, the person who had said that it had been cleaned up?
2: No, I did I didn't, okay. I, I didn't, I didn't blame anybody. It was, it was an accident. Uh, yeah. it, it happened to me. It could have happened to anybody else. It was timing Maybe he said I, I was already done and he was going to travel over to pick it up and say, okay, now I'm really done. Right. You know, it it must have been just timing. So I, I never blamed him for that. And when the injury
0: happened, so you fell right there on the job. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know you were injured right away? Did it
2: hurt right away? I didn't know that I was injured. I didn't feel injured, but I knew that it could be bad. I did know that because what I, what I noticed and felt that my – my body started to warm up from my waist up to my chest, the back of my, my spine. And, and I was like, that doesn't feel good. Nothing hurts, but that doesn't seem right. Why am I warm? Because right. the injury had occurred.
0: Yeah. And Did you get that checked out that night or did you just go home and what, what, what happened home, after that?
2: Going home that day, A couple hours later, because my body was starting to cool down, the first thing that I noticed was something in my neck. That was the first thing I noticed. It was like this, almost like a sharp knife being pushed in the back of my neck. And then uh, the next morning, though, that's when it really kicked in. Because that's when it really cooled down. You may not have an answer
1: for this, but would it have? Cause less damage if you had immediately gone to get help? Or do you think taking, you know, the rest of the day and however long it took to get to a healthcare provider, do you think that there was more damage that had been done?
2: I don't, I don't think so. I think what could have prevented it was me not having that box, even if I would have tripped because of that extra weight. Uh, But sadly, in that position that I held because I wasn't the person in charge of that particular part of my career. Uh, and there was somebody above me. The direction was not to go get medical attention immediately.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was, was, was that just because they didn't want to have to report an injury and do the paperwork and get in possible trouble for.
2: I, well, I reported it, There was okay. video. So I, I made a I made an accident report. So it was noted exactly what happened. I said it word by word and explanation, plus there was a video to confirm everything that I said. And but I wasn't uh, directed to go to get medical help. Because I mean I wasn't feeling any type of way other than that my body was warm. Now had I felt something like, Oh my god, I can't walk or, or I can't I'm dizzy or something like that, of course that would have been immediate and I that wouldn't even have yeah. Question: I would have fought it. I was like, "No, no, no! I'm going somewhere." But I really didn't know that I was injured. You know. Okay. So maybe
1: just not an understanding of the signs that your body was giving you at that time. Yeah.
2: It was, Even I though, just, you... yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was like I said, I, I just felt warm. I just didn't feel injured. Yeah. And do you know what? How, the...
0: how,
2: how long was it
0: till you actually made it to the to uh, doctor or hospital?
2: The next day. Okay. The next day, about midday, less than twenty-four hours later, I was like, "Wait a minute! I got to get checked out. Something's going on here." Yeah.
1: Well, Dan and I just had a mid-air collision when I was about to ask a question, um, and Dan might actually be positioned to answer this as well. But do you know what that warmth is? Because Dan was a paramedic. Um, do either of you understand what that body's response is that made you feel warmth instead of pain? Well,
2: well, typically when when you hurt yourself and you strain yourself your body it's almost like it it tries to protect itself it goes into like shock okay and to to prevent injuries when the injury pretty much already happened it's like a reflex Mm
0: -hmm.
2: that's where the body warms up but when it cools down that's when you really feel it
1: (laughs) sure you know and i will say that i've had
2: would you agree with that dan
0: yeah. Uh, I mean, yes. And if you injured your spine, you got all kinds of nerves there. So who the hell knows
2: <laughs>
0: what else? I mean, nerves do all sorts of crazy things when you, when you touch them. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's a swelling response, right? That brings blood to everywhere too. Um, a lot going on when you injure yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I've, I've had injuries not to that extent, but it, seems like in the times where i've been more injured i feel less in that moment right and it is your body's coping and you know you you get a paper cut and that hurts like a son of a bitch right yeah. <laughs> but at the time that i broke a bone the immediate pain didn't really come until an hour or two later and it's just interesting how the body works but See, when you I'm, I'm... went to get help or went to, to seek medical attention, uh-huh. was that your decision or did you have someone saying, hey, George, I think you better go?
2: Oh, no, that was my decision. Now, yeah. and, and, and I'm glad you said about broken bones because logically, I also thought because when I, when I was 12 years old, I fell off a slide and I broke my arm. Okay. And as soon as I fell on the floor and I broke my arm, I was like paralyzed. I couldn't move my body. Cause the traumatic event, it, it, it like it, it, it froze me. I couldn't do anything. My grandfather had to pick me up. So when this injury happened and I didn't feel any kind of way, I figured, okay, maybe maybe nothing happened. But, but I, of course, I was wrong because it was it was it was worse than I thought it was.
1: Okay, so did you go to like a, a hospital emergency room? What what was that?
2: Yeah, I went to I went to the ER and I said, look, I had an accident yesterday and my body's acting a certain way. I think I, I, I might have a serious problem here. And then I told him because my, my my legs also started being like, they started to feel like numb. Okay. Because I was I already had like pinched nerves. I couldn't even turn my neck because of the pinched nerve on my neck.
1: Oh, that's terrible. Did someone take you? I mean, were you able to drive or anything or did someone
2: take you? I think you? my mom took me actually. I asked I my mom moms. to take me. <laughs> moms are always um, good for that. <laughs> yeah, I go, Mom, you know what, this this is what, was it my mom? No, oh, it was my mom, actually, yeah. All right. Well, even if it wasn't, let's just say it's your mom. <laughs> no, I, I asked
0: my mom, yeah. I, I asked, Mommy, take me, Mommy. I'm interested. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that, that is the best place to go. M- mom's always going to help out. So when you got to the hospital and started speaking with the, the professionals and said that something ain't right, what did they do? Like what kind of tests do they start running?
2: Well, the first thing they did was freaking give me medication. That's the first thing they did <laughs> because the pain, the pain had already kicked in. I was like, okay. Oh yeah. I was very aggressive when I walked in there. Okay. And so they gave me some pain medication. They said, okay, we're going to check you out. They put me in a tube and did all kinds of stuff on me. And then they come back and says, well, yeah, well we found a problem. You got 300 discs out five mid spina in your neck. I'm like shit.
0: Okay. Wow, they then, weren't even all together.
2: Yeah, and then and then that was like a transition at that point, just to say like, okay, well, this is what we need to do. They got me some medication. We have to let for the, the for the swelling to come down, because they're not really going to do anything be able to do anything for you. So we gotta get the swelling down, and then we're gonna take it like, you know, days at a time, weeks at a time, to see how we're going to tackle this this now issue that you now have. And. Uh, and that's the part that I didn't like was the medication. It was so freaking strong, man. It is. Okay. You know.
1: Did you realize just how hard it was going to be to recover at that point?
2: It scared me, really. Okay. It scared me because I was 39 years old. My daughter was young. And from what I can feel, I'm like, am I ever going to be able to carry my grandkids if I have grandkids? Because I, re- I couldn't do anything. My legs would give up on me. I couldn't lift anything. I couldn't sit. I couldn't stand. I'm like, wow. I don't know how serious this is going to be, but I'm, I am I was scared. And it was the first time in my life that I was scared because I felt like that I was going to be useless with that type of injury. You know, And of course, I had the medication in my body, so it was just making me go in all directions, of course.
1: Yeah. And I was going to ask that, like, what was, you, you said that the medication was the worst part or are you talking about like the initial medication they had you on or were you on this for a long time? I was I was on medication
2: for two and a half years.
0: Oh, this the whole time.
2: Yeah. So and what kind of meds
0: are these, are we talking opiates?
2: This is one step level in opiates, I think. Cause that word that I, I didn't know that word until we, I found out that we, the United States had that problem. <laughs> I had never heard, I had never heard that word before. But yeah, I, I think but that's I had a lot heard, of us. Yeah, but I had heard that this is like this is like the the most we can give you and the highest thing we can give you, but the highest that was not the highest thing. The highest thing was opiate. That was the highest thing. But they didn't give me that. Thank God they didn't give me that because I would have got hooked on that shit. You know what I mean? Right.
1: Was there any point when you asked if you could be removed or try something else?
2: No, because it, it, I was it was just taking away the pain, and, and for me, the thing is, I mean, take this pain from me because it was it was unbearable. I mean, yeah. Did you the, the, did you feel any lower, pain while you were still lower, on it? Did it completely spine, eliminate it? It That's did. It, it it made me it made me numb. Well, I okay. imagine your arm on escape but and you don't feel anything. You're like, dude, what's going on with my arm? It's like I couldn't feel any pain, but at the same time, I also felt numb, like I was a zombie. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that also scared me too. I looked at myself in the mirror one day. was like, that's not George in the mirror. Yeah. Who is this guy?
1: It ain't me. Well, that even sounds dangerous because pain is the body communicating with us. Right? Yeah. So if you're on something that is eliminating one pain, it's possible to miss other pain. You could injure yourself. You could have other internal issues that, that you don't feel if it's keeping you numb all the time. And I, I think you're using numb in kind of two ways, unless I'm misunderstanding. Is this a mental and a physical numbness that we're talking about? It, it,
2: it was. It, it was a physical and it was a mental numbness. And that part of you said that when you, when you medicate yourself in one area, you take that pain off. Well, it didn't allow me to feel my emotional pain and my psychological pain that that problem had created for me. Mm-hmm. And that's what got me to like this depressing state and suicidal thoughts and stuff like that. Because I, I mean, I didn't know I, I, it's almost like I was confused. I didn't know what was going on. Like, is this real? Is it not real? I mean, I don't feel anything, but, but I'm taking the medication, which is why I don't feel anything. But yet I, I it almost felt like that I was non-existing, even though I was alive. Almost. It was that horrible for me. Wow.
0: And were you off of work this whole time too? Or were you yeah, I was able to. Re-
2: I was out for three and a half years. Yeah. Wow. I couldn't. I couldn't sit. I couldn't stand. And I couldn't walk. I couldn't lay down on my bed. It was so uncomfortable. So what did you do? I try to just be how a couple minutes doing sitting this, and sitting, sitting up, laying down, standing, kind of start, try to walk a little bit. I was trying. I was caught in between those places, but mm-hmm. I couldn't be there for too long. I'm like, wow, this is really uncomfortable. And then my spine surgeon said, "I need you to get comfortable because this is where you're gonna. This is how you're gonna be at." It's like, uh, no, this is okay. not how I'm gonna be at. I'm. I'm
1: gonna interrupt really quickly. This is the first time I heard surgeon. I think, unless yeah. I missed it before.
2: No, that's so, the first time I said it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, you. You had operations.
2: No, I refused. Oh, okay. I refuse because they send me to a spine surgeon and I went through therapy and it says, George, we've done everything we've can. You're on the medication. We're doing this. We're doing therapy. We need to do surgery and cut that area. I need to give you a shot in those areas. And, and that's pretty much all we can do is like, first of all, I'm not going to let you cut me yeah. and I'm not going to let you stab me in the spine. I'm not going to do that. I'll I'll let you give me a shot in the neck, but I'm not going to let you touch my freaking spine. That's not going to happen. That's not an option for me. So at that point, they released me at that point.
1: Okay. Wow. Well, how long were you going through like physical therapy before they recommended surgery? Two years. Wow. And at the two-year mark when you're doing this, are you still at this point? And maybe I just didn't understand before, but... Are you still at that point where sitting hurts, laying oh, yeah. hurts, yeah. everything? Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, because yeah, I, I try to because I try to come down to the medication. Mm-hmm. Oh, it hurts! It hurts! I take it again to to ease that pain again. Yeah. It was. Did yeah, you have any? I, I, did you have any like withdrawal from the medication? I did afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, it, it took me. I want to say that I had withdrawal systems for really – Thirty maybe sixty days. I mean, I felt horrible. I felt like I was like somebody drugged me. If I I was hung over, like like when you don't sleep and you're hung over, I felt like shit like that for three to six for thirty to sixty days.
1: Did you have any help? Was there anything that they put you on that would help reduce the symptoms?
2: I did it all on my own, and uh, I I didn't tell my family about that that what I was dealing with.
1: That was my next my next question. Is no,
2: I I, I I kept that to myself. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and did the doctors even know
2: i didn't tell them okay because i was afraid they were going to give me something else to help cope with that and now i didn't want to be on medication anymore so was there
1: a point did something happen that made you say fuck this i'm done with the medication i'm just going to do this on my own
2: yeah it did and this is what happened i'm glad you asked that so one day about two and a half years in like i mentioned I, I got like this silence and I was just there and I'm like, is this as low as I can go in life? Because I was, that was like my low point.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I wasn't scared of being in that dark place, the suicidal thoughts and the darkness and one of depression. I wasn't scared, but I also felt like I felt like if it was God was protecting me in that area, in that darkness. And I was like, if life tried to fucking destroy me, it didn't do it. If this is all it has, this is where I get out because I know I don't belong here. And that's when I made a decision to get off the medication. And then I remembered things about my grandfather, my father, and of course, my daughter and how I wanted to be an inspiration for her life. So I had to get out of that place at that at that point. I think that
1: might have been one of my favorite quotes that we've had on the show so far. Not this episode. The, oh, I already forgot. I was going to repeat it back. I already, If it didn't get me or, or however he said that, but since yeah. I don't have the exact words, I'm not going to try to sit here and figure out what they were. Um, but I was also thinking in my mind, that's what decent fucking humans do. <laughs> they, 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 they do it. They see a challenge. It might be two and a half years into it, but they see it Or three years whatever exactly the timeline was and they do something so that 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 is that's incredible but you also had this long career yeah and we've talked to people who have lost their jobs and i left my job recently i'm i'm spending a lot of time getting caught up on youtube and tiktok uh which is probably not the best thing for me but when you lose your job or leave a job, there's a lot of emotional stuff with that as, as well. So was departing from this career, was that scary? What, what, what was that experience, I guess? I don't want to put words into your mouth.
2: The, the, the scary part was, like I said, I felt useless at that point. I felt like I wasn't a provider. I felt like I wasn't a man. Mm-hmm. And then I, I felt like I wasn't, you know... Fulfilling my obligation as, as a man and the man of the house. I wasn't doing that. And that was the scary part. But being injured, I had no, there's no, there was nothing I can do. Yeah. But when I came off the medication, and now I was able to think straight because for, for two and a half years, I couldn't even think straight. I couldn't even, I, I, I couldn't even gather my thoughts. But when I got off the medication, I heard this whisper and that whisper said real estate. Because I didn't know what career <laughs> I didn't know what career I was gonna go. Because I I can't go back there. I'm freaking injured. What am I gonna do? Right. And and I I heard this clear whisper that said real estate. And when I heard the real estate, I was like okay, that's not far fetched, because I was doing kitchen and bathroom models and rehabs with my dad and my uncle at the age of fourteen. Oh, wow. I okay. bought my first property at twenty one. My second at twenty five. A third at twenty seven. And a ninth place uh, before the market crash in two thousand eight. So I was familiar with real estate. I had investing background in real estate. So I was able to make that transition into real estate. So I wasn't a once I made a decision to like to to reclaim my life back, I was okay at that point. Because okay. especially after that whisper, it, it gave me like yeah. that that peace of mind that okay, now I just found a new direction now.
0: Right. Now when you when you say real estate, um are you a real estate investor? Are you do you sell real estate? I mean there's about three thousand ways you can be in real estate. So what do you do now?
2: So I was a real estate investor when I was a manager, and now I'm a real estate agent. So now I help people that are first-time home buyers. I help a lot of investors, and what I focus on is properties that are ugly-ass houses. <laughs> I don't try. I don't try to show my clients the most beautiful house, walk-in-ready house. I show them the ugly parts first, and then if they don't want to buy a property that needs work and rehab. Then we start looking at houses that are that are walking ready. But the thing is that if you buy a house that needs work, you can actually buy it with some sweat equity and you buy it with equity already. So and when I explain it to them that way, they're like, wait a minute, George, I don't want this house. And that's already fixed up because I want to get at a discount, put my taste into it, put some sweat equity. And I I can save some money and actually earn some money at the same time. So I'm able to show them those aspects of it. Yeah. Hey, Dan, would you like me to step uh,
1: away so you and George can just talk about this the rest of hey, the man, let's, interview? Let's talk
0: houses. <laughs> Enough about feelings. This is talked houses, real estate <laughs> strategies, force and equity. For,
1: <laughs> for years, Dan has been whispering about, oh, buying places, fixing them up. I've got a question. You're, you, you said, I think Southern California is, is where you're at. Uh, yeah. Prices out there, I mean, I don't know who the hell can afford to buy a house that doesn't need some work. Uh, can can you get kind of some price ranges that you're you're working with? I'm, ju- I'm just curious more than anything.
2: Look, I just did an open house for uh, a listing that my, my buddy has, my partner has, and it's a duplex. Okay. Property has six bedrooms, right? Four bedrooms mm-hmm. on the main house, two bedrooms on the addition, which is a duplex, and that property was for six ninety nine. Okay. And you're able to build an ADU in the garage because the whole state of California allows you that now. Now, my my daughter's boyfriend sent me a text yesterday on Instagram asking me if this price was right because he had saw a duplex in L. A. for five seventy five no five five seventy five or five sixty five. I did a little research on it. it. Was like that was a great freaking deal in L. A. for a duplex also. Yeah. So there there's properties that are available but you just have to be ready to to uh, accept the fact that these are great deals and see so much of the market so by the time i show you a property or you see a property you're like wait a minute from all the property that george has been sending me this one makes really this makes a lot of sense okay this looks like i can cash flow from it if i don't okay. cash flow i can live in one and rent the other one out and help lower my monthly mortgage by more than half because I'm going to live in half of it and rent the other half. out. <laughs> you're, you're good
1: at this, George. You're you're, you're good at this. this, this I love what I
2: account. I love what I do. Yeah, I love what I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, hey,
1: I'm, I'm going to go back a minute. Um, I know we're 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 right on that verge. We're talking about the happy stuff right now, but I do want to go back a minute and ask you about something that you said. You said that when you weren't working and you weren't providing, that you didn't feel like a man. And I'm curious, looking back now, if you have a, let me call it a more compassionate view for yourself during that time.
2: I I know I not only have a more compassionate view of myself, but I have a much bigger understanding of my journey now. Because God has allowed me access when I wrote my book to have access to everything behind all the way back to when I was born to make me realize that all the obstacles that I went through, all the sacrifices, all the adversity, all the issues that I went through, they were needed to mold Mm -hmm. me and forge me into this person that I am today. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I'm like, shit, I was one touch son of a bitch. (laughs) I was tough. Sounds like you still are. I didn't, I didn't, thank you. I didn't tap out. I guess I, yes, I cried. I screamed and I yelled. Yes, I did because that's normal. Yeah. But what I didn't do was tap out and say I quit. I didn't do that. I might've taken a break because I was in that space of two and a half years, but I was still fighting internally, even though I physically, I couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And once I got off the medication, then I really got back to work because that's when I was really able to reclaim my life back at that point. Okay, so from the time that you weaned
1: yourself from the medication, how long did it take you to get to that point where you felt that your life is back?
2: When I got my real estate license.
1: Okay, and how long was that?
2: I uh, It was about a year later. Okay. Um, so, Because I was out for about three and a half years, so about a year later, and I was able to pass that exam and it's funny because I, I took my real estate exam. And when I, when I took my exam, the lady at the counter says, okay, George, here's your exam results. It's, it's not going to say you're presented. It's only going to say pass or fail. Please do not open this up until you get outside of the building. So I, I parked at a three-story uh, parking structure. I waited until I went to my car. I opened up my car, sat in the door jamb of my car. I opened it up and I saw I just started crying. Because at that moment, moment I knew that I would claim my life back. when I said, past. Wow. I was able to now become that man that I've always been, which is the provider, the person that's always hustling, working, and getting things done. You know, so I, I really, I felt like I reclaimed my life at that point.
1: Yeah, you know what my favorite part about this show is is the the, the goosebump moment. <laughs> it's like when, when you say you read it and it was like, yes, that I, I mean, it, it, the hair on my arm stands up. And it's I'm, I'm, first of all, I, I, I say this to a lot of our guests, or at least I think it. But, man, I'm proud of you. that That's awesome. Um, sounds like you're a hell of a guy. Now, I'm curious about the support system you've got. You said you have a daughter. You mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you wouldn't be able to hold your grandchildren uh, if you ever have them. Do you have grandchildren yet?
2: I don't have grandchildren. My daughter, okay. my daughter actually turns twenty five tomorrow. Tomorrow's a oh, birthday. Okay, okay. Nice. Well,
0: happy birthday to her. That's awesome. Yeah,
2: happy birthday. Uh, it's a
1: couple months late, since this probably won't air until February. <laughs> 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 but no, that hey, twenty five years old. I say that's a good time to still not 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 have children. It, you know, it, it it can be hard at that age. Um, not that it ever gets easy, from what I understand. But I'm in my forties without any kids. So, um, but. George I've I've got one more question and then I'm going to ask you to tell us about this journey in this book. Um, when they when you said that they asked you not to open until you leave the building. Why is that?
2: They wanted to make sure that there was no reaction from anybody. Okay. Okay. So because other people there's are still there and some people when you when always see if you fail, you start crying, you know, hysterically. Or if you, you pass, pass, you start crying.
1: <laughs> you, or, yeah, All you start getting yelling, yeah, excited, yeah, yeah.
2: and they, they want to make sure that they don't disturb anybody. So that so it's
1: out the of the respect for others. Respect and... everybody. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And I suspected yeah. that much. I just wanted to to make sure my understanding yeah. was correct.
2: And I completely understood that because, from my understanding too, is that most people don't pass the real estate exam on the first attempt. Oh, wow, it takes it takes them four to five times to pass it. Okay. It's extremely difficult. So okay. when she said that, I'm like, okay, that that's respectful. Okay, that, of course, yeah. Okay. But and when it, I that... saw that, I'm like, I started crying for like 20 minutes in my car.
1: <laughs> well, I lied before in saying one more question. Last question for real on this topic: Who was the first person you called? My mom. It comes full circle. Hell yes.
2: I called my mom <laughs> because my mom my mom had gone through so much with me emotionally. Yeah. And because she helped me go through to some of my doctor's appointments and stuff like that. And she when I had the, the injection on my uh, on my neck, because they, they gave me an injection on my neck, mm-hmm. she took me to Santa Barbara and uh when they took me to, when I went to Santa Barbara, she drove me over there because I wasn't gonna be able to drive back.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And uh they, they they put me to sleep and they had a hard time waking me up okay and this was the second time in my life that i was having a hard time to wake up from anesthesia oh wow so it was really emotional for me so i had to make sure that i gave my mom the good news first especially from what she experienced with me you know taking me to doctor's appointments and stuff like that
1: okay mom's still with us
2: oh yeah yeah she's she's 73 years old uh my my mom's she's she's amazing she's like my angel she's always been protecting me uh, Oh,
1: all right well hopefully she doesn't take issue with dan and i and and you swearing but she sounds like a decent fucking human as well we don't oh, do that she's very amazing. often she's but but she sounds like pretty awesome so this yeah. book tell tell us a, a little bit about the book what's it what's it called
2: yeah my book is called answer the call and answer the call is about finding your gifts your talents and pursuing your life's purpose okay and you said it's, I, I think the, the way you said
1: it was that it's kind of about your your journey. Is, is that correct? Or is Sorry, it just, yeah. So,
2: okay. Yeah, so, so it's, 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 it's like, it's the journey. So it, it's a journey of somebody that would be like a, a, a four-rounded individual. So I talk about foundation, I talk about influence, I talk about adversity, betrayals, reinventing yourself, uh, faith, and success. So basically okay. what what one goes through our, our, our journey in our lifetime, yes,
1: all right, and you're you're a passionate dude. I mean, that comes across loud and clear. and when we last spoke, you even talked a little bit about how your calling, maybe I don't remember if you used that term, but is about spreading your message, and that it sounds to me like you have a mission and is that something I, I, I noticed your necklace, you've talked about God a little bit. Is this, is this a journey of faith or is it just a journey of life?
2: It, it, well, when I was when I was early teen, I I always had this feeling that I was special and I always had this knowing that there was a huge calling in my life, but because I was a teenager, I hadn't even lived life yet. So I didn't know what that was yet, but I was pretty, I was pretty uh, faithful knowing that when the time was right, certain things would expose themselves to me to really show me my direction. But when I wrote the book, that's when I was given access to connect all the dots in my life. And I realized this is the calling of my life. I was meant to go through these bad things in my life to gain these experiences so I can motivate and inspire the people and help people cope through their adversity, suicidal thoughts, depression, Mm -hmm. uh, job loss, betrayals, divorce, and all these other things. That's why I went through that. And for that reason, I accept everything that happened to me, and now I have a better understanding of that whole process now because of that.
1: Okay. Um, oh, man. You, have, you, you know that moment where you forget your question? That That's, that's the moment I'm in right now. Um, but one of the questions that i did have that i probably i can't remember if we talked about it when you and i last talked but are you are you working like we get a lot of people on here who are like coaches um or are like actually motivational speakers and things like that or or do you have more than just the book to to spread your message
2: correct yeah so i'm i I use my book as the platform Mm -hmm. to the things that i'm working on so I I get on a lot of I've done like 30 to 40 podcasts in the last 90 days. So I'm okay. aggressively pursuing the the podcasting. I've been what in colleges. Mean? I've been yeah. thank you. I, I've been speaking at colleges, universities. I'm trying to right now. I'm making my way into other schools right now. I'm, I'm getting uh, people sending me stuff like George, can you speak at my school? You know, because I want to reach and motivate the next generation because okay. there's there's a huge need for that. You know, and also my batting machine that I invented, I which I also talk in my book, is I want to put that in the hands of the youth going forward. I'm sorry, what did you say? I invented a batting machine for baseball and softball, which I also talk about in the book.
1: <laughs> I I coach eight year olds uh, playing baseball, base, big baseball guy over here, so I, I'm interested in that. I'll, I'll I'll learn more about that one when I when I get the book, um, yeah. but. How, how do you, um, God, I'm boy, I'm going to admit something that I've got a headache right now and it is really affecting my ability to stay on point, Dan, this part, we should probably edit out. So make a mark. (laughs) It's it's marked. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So George, what would you say is the biggest thing you've learned through all of this?
2: The biggest thing that I've learned through this whole journey is that the knowing that I've always had and the faith that I've always had was real. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that I made up. This was real. Mm-hmm. And and God, and, and I'm not pushing religion on anybody, by the way. Sure. But but God and, and my faith was able to show me as I reached that point in my life where my life purpose had to expose itself to reconfirm. Yeah, you were, you were right back then. You did know. And I think a lot of us know that we are special. And a lot of us know that we do have a gift, a talent and life's purpose, Mm -hmm. but we're afraid that am I making this up or or is this really something that I'm meant to pursue? And I think the answer is yes, you are meant to pursue that if God put it in your heart and it, it just, you can't get rid of it in your mind that means you have to pursue it if not it's going to haunt you forever until you get it done
1: right if you're doing 35 40 podcasts in 90 days when are you doing your real estate are <laughs> are you still are you still doing that or have you kind of moved on a little bit
2: yeah i just i just, actually i just closed the deal uh, uh two days ago actually yesterday two days ago yeah i just closed the deal two days ago so okay. I am doing I am doing real estate and of course because of the recession and rates going up it pushed a lot of buyers back out of the marketplace but because the rates are starting to come down as of December 21st rates are starting to come down okay. now we're we're starting to get some of the buyers reaching out again and some of the sellers reaching out again saying George I mean what's going on with the market do you have anything for me I'm I'm looking to invest in a property or to buy a property stuff like that I'm already considering selling again So it's like it's coming back again. So it's funny because when things are slow for me, it's almost like God gives me a project. When I was disabled, he gave me the batting machine. When I was disabled, he gave me coming into real estate. When the recession came in and COVID came in, he told me to write the book. As the real estate market slowed down, he told me get on podcasts. So it's like... He gives me things to do, but the thing is that it's all intertwined. It, yeah. They're not separated. It's intertwined because I talk about these things in my book. So when I meet a real estate client, I give him a copy of my book, <laughs> so they get to know me on a personal level. Okay. When I'm on nice. when I'm on stage, I talk about real estate because the the youth ask me, well, George, how can I invest in real estate? That's what the youth is asking me. So of course, I gotta talk about real estate because I love real estate, right? right? When I get on podcasts, people always ask me about real estate, so I am still talking real estate. So I am marketing real estate. (laughs) So I am talking. I am talking about everything that I am passionate about in interviews and on podcasts.
1: Man, you are you are a triple threat. At least a triple threat. Uh, At least, (laughs) yeah, for 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 sure. Um, Well, I want to know where I can get your book
2: if you go to my uh, my social media platforms at okay. george underscore v gonzalez and you go to my bio okay. you can actually download a free copy of my book and okay. all your listeners and all your followers can do the same They can actually download a free copy of my book there's a free version there okay awesome nice and you can al- shout notes. and you yeah. can also and you can also see other projects that I'm working on you can also take a glimpse at my batting machine there's also a link for that okay also the, my real estate and also a mini course that I have Okay,
1: awesome. awesome, Dan. You got anything else? Do you have any more questions for George? Because I think I'm I mean, uh, I'm plum out.
0: <laughs> yeah. How about uh, these uh, interest rates? The th- think think they'll ever go back down to three percent?
2: No, absolutely not. I I my my personal opinion and my professional opinion, I think that the norm, because the consumer is really smart about rates now, is mm-hmm. probably going to be between. Four and a half to five and a half percent is going to be the norm, and that's yeah. going to fluctuate depending on the marketplace and depending on the, the way the economy is doing. Uh, they're not going to stay the way they are now, and they're, but they're definitely not going to go to one, two, or three. We're probably not going to see that. Yeah, that, All right, that was so. way, way too low for way too long.
1: All right, well, I'll stick with my two and a quarter and be very happy with that
2: oh absolutely yeah, yeah don't not- don't yeah, don't lose that, yeah absolutely,
1: yeah. not that I wasn't happy with it already i I know what I've got here i'm i'm I got a good place and a good rate um but yeah, George, man. This has been great. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm, I, I always say it. I'm, I'm humbled. Uh, well, uh, let, let me actually say we are humbled and honored, and just so grateful that you're willing to come on and, and tell us this story. Thank you so much.
2: No, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to allow me to, to share my story and my journey, and hopefully, uh, not hopefully. I know that the stories that you interview about they they're touching and they they have an impact on the community and society as a whole. So thank you for that.
1: Man, see you're you're even motivating me right now.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> keep doing
0: man, you are keep all doing, pro.
2: Yeah. keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep doing it.
1: All right, cool. And I, I I I appreciate that. And I will actually want to connect with you offline someday, I think. Cause I, I've got questions about what you're doing. Cause I'm I really am um, I think it's admirable and and we're trying to do some of the same over here. So George, thank you again. This has been great. Terrible listeners, I would love for you to check out our merch store. We haven't talked about it much on here, but we've got an Etsy shop now. You can get decent fucking human clothing. You can get a lot of stuff there. Also, follow us on our socials at Positively Terrible. And if you want to tell a fucked up story or talk to us about getting that decent fucking human tattoo, you can send us an email at at podcast.positivelyterrible.com. And as always this has been absolutely positively terrible i mean you think it's a fantastic
0: festival i confess i was nervous
1: Positively Terrible is a part of the Terrible Podcast Network.